Well, good morning. So I'll get this out of the way. I've had lots of people ask me what's the deal with the jersey. So here's what happened. <laughs> so here's what happened. So I was watching the Bears game last week as they were winning. And when it started going downhill, I'm like, I'm done. I'm never wearing a Bears jersey again. I looked around to see what I could get in before Sunday. And I actually like the Hoosiers. So this is my new jersey that I'm going to be wearing. <laughs> I ain't wearing a Bears jersey the rest of the year. Don't be clapping about that. I'm just done. I mean, I'm sick of them winning and then, yeah, dashing my hopes like, like every year. All right, so a couple things we want to talk about before we get started. So one, our EV series, series or series, service um, that you heard Taylor talk about. Let me talk about it a little bit uh, to all of you guys. So uh, for you guys that are listening online um, or for you guys that are uh, here are, are not going to be able to make it to our EV service. We wanted to make sure that you could experience the same thing that we're experiencing here. Um, so we wanted to give you a bag so that on Eve Eve, if you're not here with us, you could still experience what uh, we're doing here at the service. So I'll tell you a little bit about the bag, first of all, and then I'll tell you how you can get it. So the first thing is, and this is the great thing about showing the experience bag, once I touch the cookie, I just have to eat it, you know, because we can't give it away to anybody. So you're going to get a cookie, you know, in your bag. Uh, you're going to get some hot cocoa to be able to have. So while you're watching, you're going to get cocoa and you're going to get a cookie. Uh, then the other thing that you're going to get is every year we do a silent night at the end of uh, our services. So uh, it's one thing we've done for a lot of years. So we light the candles and we sing together and it's a lot of fun. And so that's a weird look. <laughs> like I just noticed what was up on the screen. I'm like, wow, <laughs> got it. <laughs> okay, anyway, distractions. Um, so you get a candle and we want you to be a part of it. So when we sing Silent Night that you can have that. And if you're like us at home and every time you go to look for the lighter and you go in the drawer and you can't ever find the lighter, we even thought about you. We have Life Church matches just in case you can't find uh, your lighter with that. So the way do you get your experience bags? If you're not going to be here uh, on Eve Eve, um, you can go and, and sign up through the app or go on a connecting card, ask for an experience bag. The experience bag for adults are different than those for kids. So if you want an experience bag for yourself uh, or the adults in the, uh, that you're going to be watching, ask for that for an adult. And if you're going to have kids watching, we have a separate bag for kids, so fill it out. Uh, and we'll get you what you need. Online, same thing. If you want these bags, you can participate on Eve Eve with us. Just sign up, uh, and we'll get those bags for you. All right. Uh, second thing is giving slide. So every month, we talk to you guys about what our budget is, and then also uh, what our giving uh, is, and then where we're at, whether we're uh, above or below um, our budget. So a couple things like what we talk about down a little bit in November, but over for the year, we always say this, we're so thankful for everybody to continue to give through COVID because we're over on budget, which has allowed us during a time where we thought that this would happen, which is there's a lot of ministry opportunities right now with people through them losing their jobs or people that are struggling in different ways for us to continue to do ministry, right? So uh, this and your generous giving has allowed us to uh, be able to continue to do ministry during uh, this crisis, and it's given us the ability to be prepared and to grow for uh, next year. Now, a little bit different, we're going a little bit deeper on what uh, uh, next year looks like for us while we're talking about money. So 
If you haven't noticed this, when it's raining, we position the chairs so that you don't get leaked on. Um, so I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but there's one up here. If there's a bucket, there's a few back there. Up in the youth ministry area, it's we have to have enough trash cans in place, you know, and we keep switching out the trash cans when it's really raining because the roof has lots of leaks. And if you've ever noticed, if you're in here and you're ever using a conference room or you're even in service back here, the other thing is for the past six or seven years, we've been robbing parts off of all the other HVA systems up top, so all the air conditioning, heating systems. We've been robbing parts of them to the point where, like down here, Champs are supposed to be four. There's only one that works. The rest of them have no parts left. And on the rest of the church, you know, we're down to, let's say there's supposed to be eight, we're down to four. And we've robbed most of the parts to keep them from working. So, and I've been like, I don't really want to, I want to do money for ministry. I don't really want to spend money on a roof you know, and I don't really want to spend money on an air conditioner, so let's keep it going. Well, we're beyond that point. So there's not enough duct tape left at Life Church to keep it going. So we've, we can't keep all of them. So we have proposed that we put a new roof on, um, and then also we're going to have to replace most of our, if not all of our uh, HVAC systems up there. So the cost of that is $340,000 for us to be able to do it. So, uh, we've already talked about it as an elder team and what we're thinking and, and where we're going to be with all of it, but one of the things that we know, uh, that, and we just asking you to consider this, um, at the end of every year, people evaluate from business or personally where they're at in their finances, and if you would consider a year-end gift, we will put it directly to the building fund, which will go directly towards uh, getting us to the place that we need to be to, to put a roof on and to be able to do and have the air conditioning and heating working. Because the other thing that we need to remember, through your generosity and being able to use this building, you have reached a lot of people in this community during the week, not just on Sunday morning, because lots of people use this place during the week. Lots of families, lots of businesses come in and use this. We want to continue to do that. Um, and like I said, we're just at the point now where we can't duct tape it together. We actually are going to have to fix it. Um, so if you could consider giving us a year and gift towards it, uh, we'll put it towards the building fund, and we're going to move forward uh, inside of that. All right, last thing, connecting cards. We talked about this last week. Uh, fill out your connecting cards for every connecting card filled out here. And for every connecting card filled out online, so if you're watching online, it's in the top right-hand corner uh, to be able to fill it out. If you fill out a connecting card and turn it in, we are giving $5 uh, away to two different ministries. So that's Destiny Rescue, which helps women who went through sex slavery, and then also Hands of Hope, which helps foster and adopt families uh, in the community. And so we're giving that money away. So for every card filled out, we want to be able to give money back. And the cool thing is, through the generosity of somebody here at the church, they've said, I'll match dollar for dollar everything that you bring in. So last week, let me make sure you get the numbers right, $1,129 was raised just through last week. So if you haven't filled out a connecting card, please fill out a connecting card. If you have, like I wish we could just double it up and you keep filling them out for the next two weeks and you fill out 10 of them, but you can't do that. So... Fill out one, and again, it's one for every person, you know, family, you know, make sure everybody fills one out, because it's $5 for every connecting card that we get filled out. Uh, same thing online for everyone that's filled out there. We're going to give money away uh, to two great ministries doing great things in the community. So let's make sure that we, um, again, are able to 
uh, give money back. So fill them out. If you have problems online, I know some people are like, I watch it through my TV and I can't click on the thing up there to be able to do it. If you're having trouble, make sure you just get with one of us and we'll help you get one figured out. And if you're watching online, it's not just the person watching. If there's five people sitting in the room, fill it out for all five people so that we can uh, be able to give that money away. All right, good? All right, so let's move on to our Travel Light series. Uh, we started this with this idea that we believe that everybody in this room, God's called on a mission. We have a, a, a race to be able to run, and we want to run in a way that we can win, you know, things that we can do in our lives to be able to accomplish that. But the thing that we know is that our natural nature or the things that are going on in our life tend to keep us from being able to run the race that we're supposed to run, right? So travel light is saying, hey, why don't you consider this for a moment? What would it look like if you consider in your life what it means to get rid of the stuff that's keeping you from being able to live the way that God's called you to live and be able to be focused on the things that God's called you to do? So we talked about it in this way, you know, and I'm going to use some different terminology today, but it's the idea that an unredeemed nature, okay, so we know this from one we've talked before, and if you don't know it, I'm going to tell you what it's like. So here's what an unredeemed nature means. Before Jesus Christ, which is all of us at some point, right, all of us had a nature that was a part of our life before we met Jesus, Okay, that's an unredeemed nature. That's before we were a Christian. And we live out based upon that nature, right? So whatever that nature is, we make decisions in our life based upon a nature that is unredeemed compared to from the time that you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're now living a redeemed nature. Does that make sense? So now you're living with Jesus. The redeemed nature helps us live in the way that God's called us to live. So here's how we started week one. Here's how an unredeemed nature, meaning this is how we naturally act before Jesus. We have said when it comes to your stuff, unredeemed nature says get all you can, keep all you can, have all you can, to enjoy all you can, and at the end of the day, it's all mine and I'm using it for all of my enjoyment. That's the unredeemed nature when it comes to your stuff. Your money, your car, your house, the things that God's given you, like all of those things are yours and you're going to use them for completely for your enjoyment, right? Unredeemed nature. We said, redeemed nature says, it's not my stuff anyway, right? Nothing wrong with having things, but at the end of the day, my stuff is not going to have me. So I can have things, but a redeemed nature says, those things are given to me so that I can further the kingdom, right? You're given these things by God, your house, your money, uh, the, the things that you have so that you can use them to be able to further God's kingdom. Unredeemed says it's all mine. Redeemed says it's all God's. And we live differently when it comes to that. Travel light says live with a redeemed nature. Then last week, we talked about distractions. An unredeemed nature says to a certain extent, distractions are good. In fact, we got in a little bit deeper, which is what I love about messages that cause people to go out and do things. So we talked a little bit about distractions last week, and I told you for the first time, you found that thing on your phone that says how much time you spend on your phone, like your screen time thing. And maybe for the first time, people actually looked at it. You know what I mean? Like you looked at how much time you actually spend on certain things on your phone. And an unredeemed nature would be like, 
holy cow, but ah, what's the big deal? I need a little distraction in my life, right? Like you look at it and you'd be like, oh, you know, the distractions that are going on in my life aren't that big a deal. In fact, you know, I need distractions, you know, in, in my life. Because the unredeemed life would say distraction is the actual new normal, right? A redeemed life would say, if I'm called to a purpose living for God, then I need to be on purpose and not distracted. So whatever the things are that are distracting me, I need to change in my life. But for most of us, that's a change of nature. Like, that's not going to naturally happen. In fact, I would say, think about this for a second. We have the first generation of children now becoming, you know, high schoolers that were raised by a screen. Now think about this, right? So, I mean, we might have done this if we would have had it back then. But right now, if your kids are distracting you or your kids need pacified, what do we usually give them? A phone, right? Like anything that just makes them look at something to completely distract them away. And then it's become a pretty good pacifier. Right? Come on. Anybody that's raised kids, it's okay. Like, it works really well. Like, you set that sucker up there, and they're like, for hours. And you can go do whatever you want. Like, what's better than that? You know what I mean? Like, but it's a generation raised by a screen, and this is what's so funny. As parents, you use it to pacify them, and now you're mad at them by the way they use it. You know what I mean? So now we're saying, oh, my gosh, my kid's abusing my, their phone, and they're on it all the time. I'm like, well, <laughs> we raised them that way. Right? We raise them to be behind a screen, and then when they get there, because we all know this, right? Like we talked about, a redeemed nature says be in the moment because God needs to be in the moment. An unredeemed nature would say, I can't be in the moment. Right? And this happens all the time. We talked about this. So how many times, and, and Sherry and I were talking about this the other day. We went out for lunch, and you ever see this? Like somebody goes out for a date, and they're sitting next to the person that I think that they're in love with, and they're looking at their phone instead of each other. Nobody else has ever seen that? Like you go out to eat and you're looking around the restaurant and you're like, these two people are out on a date and they're like, I'm like, wow. <laughs> like, but here's the problem. You can't be in the moment. Like when there is no more conversation around the table, you're like, the first thing that you go to is distract yourself away from because you're uncomfortable. This is what's important. You're uncomfortable being in the moment. You're uncomfortable being in what's going on around you. So if it's not, you know, you automatically, if you can't figure out how to engage, you go to something else. So unredeemed nature says, it's okay to not be in a moment. Redeemed nature says, as a Christian, he has me in the moment for, the reason, for a reason. Right? I have a chance to be in relationship for a reason. The thing that we're going to talk about today, and I'll admittedly say it's probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to figure out in my own life and that is this idea that an unredeemed nature has this what I call self-justice mentality, okay? Which means I have an opinion, I'm right, and I'm going to make sure that I talk to you until you know that I'm right and you're wrong, okay? And if you don't agree with me, I will distance myself from people who don't agree with me. Right, that's this self-justice, like, I'm right, you're wrong, you know, because of that, you know, I'm going to, to make sure that you understand that you're wrong and I'm right, and we're going to talk about it until you either give up or we just stop talking about it. Anybody know what that's like or 
you've ever had somebody that talks to you that way, you know what I mean? They're just going to keep talking until you agree. Or they give up, you know. And I tell, uh, when I do marriage counseling with couples and we do this thing called conflict resolution, one of the things we talk about, listen, you're going to fight, so if you think you're not, wake up. <laughs> you know, if you're getting married, you're fighting. So let me teach you a good way to fight. And a bad, so here's the deal. A bad way to fight is to get your way and to prove you're right. That never goes well, you know, and it never, it never, what it does is, is it causes conflict in the relationship and it doesn't solve any problems. Just because you thought they thought you were right, it, it didn't anyway. They just gave up, you know. So you got to think through the unredeemed nature once at all costs to prove what they believe is right, even if it means that it hurts a relationship. A redeemed nature would say, I don't always have to be right. And in fact, we can disagree, but I still love you. And I still want to be in relationships with you. And I'm not going to distance myself from you just because you don't believe like me. Or just because you don't talk like me. Or just because you don't, you know, respond the way that I want you to respond. A redeemed nature says self-justice isn't that important. Love is. Being right isn't that important. Love is. The bottom line is relationship, right? Now, we know that this is prevalent on a very simple way. If you've raised kids before, you're going to relate with me at this, okay? So you're raising kids, and you come to this point where you and your kids disagree on something, and you know you're right and they're wrong, right, parents? Yeah, thank you. One of the parents believes the way I do, right? Like, I'm right, they're wrong. We're going to have a discussion, and here's what happens, right, inside of the discussion. When your kids don't agree with you, what do they naturally do? Separate themselves from you. Until you either give in or agree with them. Is this not how it works, parents? Okay. Kids, is this not, you don't do it? <laughs> She's like, I don't do that. <laughs> Kids, come on, at some point, don't you say, like, I'm just not going to agree with you, so I'm going to distance myself from you until you either give up or give in, right? And so you have these choices. What do you do inside of that, even as kids? What happens when your parents disagree with you on a subject? Is that the right way? Does the redeemed nature say, I'm going to manipulate them until they finally give in or agree with me? Does that what redeemed kids do? Is that what redeemed parents do, like, or, like, as an example, we know this is our prevalent because they say, we're living in a divided world today. Right? Isn't that what everybody's saying? We live in a divided world today. Well, for sure we're living in a divided world. Here's the problem. It's not that we're a divided world. It's that you can't have an opinion without somebody wanting to burn your house down. Come on, right? Like, if you... I don't care where you're at. At the end of the day... If I have an opinion, because I've said this about the whole like COVID-19 response to people. I have a belief system. If you want to know it, I'll tell you. Believe me, I have an opinion on it, on whether masks and opening of churches and businesses. Like, I have an opinion. I'll tell you about my opinion. And you can tell me yours. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't want to burn my house down because I'm not wearing a mask. I won't burn yours down because you are. 
You see what I'm saying? Like, I have a completely, isn't it okay to have an opinion? No, it's not. (laughs) It should be. You're right. It should be, but we're living in a world today where this whole idea that being right is more important than being in relationship is the thing that's divided us, right? We always know everybody has an opinion and the opinion is going to be different, but at the end of the day, it's your response to the situation that's really going to matter. It's not that whether we're divided or not divided, because here's what we already know. If you are a redeemed Christian person, okay, if you're redeemed, you're living by the the principles of Scripture, will you be divided with the world? That's a for sure, right? Like, that's a yes. How do we know that? Because Scripture tells us. If you live by Christian principles, division will be a part of your life. So we shouldn't be surprised that the world is divided, right? We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised that a value system like this and a value system like this are are going to be in division by the things that they believe. We also shouldn't be surprised when Scripture tells us not only will you be divided, you will also be persecuted, right? We shouldn't be surprised. Think about this. We shouldn't be surprised when an unredeemed person wants to burn your house down. Is that, I mean, am I making sense? Right? I mean, why would it surprise you that somebody doesn't know, that doesn't know Jesus would want to burn your house down? We have already know that. We already know that there will be division, and we already know that there will be persecution. We already know that. So that shouldn't surprise you. What's surprising right now is redeemed people who want to burn your house down. <laughs> Come on. That should be a surprise to us, right? It should be a surprise to us that those who know Jesus Christ want to burn your house down for your opinion, right? That's not the nature in which he's called us to do. We can disagree and have great discussions about disagreement, but the response, this is the key, and this is what we're going to talk about today. Not whether you're going to be divided or not whether you're going to be persecuted. Not that there's going to be division in relationships, but what should be the Christian response to relationships that are divided? Because here's the thing. Don't miss this. If you are going to reach people, we will only reach people through relationships. And if you don't have relationships with people who are different than you, unredeemed, that want to burn your house down, if you don't have relationships with them, how will they ever be reached? Can you reach them? I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. So we as Christian people better figure out how to be in relationship with people who think differently than us. We ought to be able to be in relationship where we can sit across the table and be, I completely disagree with you but I love you. I don't know that I like the way you're living. I don't know that I like the decisions that you're making. I don't know that I like where you're at in all of these things, but at the end of the day, I care where you're going to spend the rest of eternity, so I'm going to love you through my lifestyle different choices than where you're at today or what your belief system is. Like, we're going to get past that, and we're going to figure out what that middle ground is, and that's what's going to be important because you know why this is the hardest teaching for me? 
and why I think it's the hardest thing to do even inside relationship, and it's especially the hardest thing to do inside of a marriage. Love when people will not love you back. Right? What's the hardest thing to do? I tell people in marriage counseling, if you've done it with me, you know this. The greatest thing that you will ever figure out inside of your marriage is to love your spouse when they don't deserve to be loved. And if you don't figure that out and you only love them when they deserve to be loved, you will have a problem long term. Because believe me, ask my wife. There have been plenty of times I don't deserve the love she gives me. Amen. Any other men out there? Come on, right? Like there's times we don't get it right. And they love us in spite of us, right? They love us even though we're not where we need to be. This is why this, because I'm a justice guy. (laughs) I think everybody ought to get what they deserve. I'm just being up front with you. I'm very much like, listen, I do care where you spend eternity. In fact, I've said it in my brain a few times. And it ain't heaven. I already know where I think you should go. Can you follow the path? I'm just that way. I don't know what it is about me, but there's just this natural, like, you got yourself into it. Get yourself out of it. You know, just that whole, like, you did it. Somebody needs to make sure you pay for what you've done. You hurt somebody. I'm going to hurt you. Right? Like, there has to be justice built in it. This is a hard teaching for me. And I'm just telling you, the redemption of working through my heart has been an ongoing process because this is the hardest thing for me to do, is to do and work through these types of relationships. So Paul, so if you have a Bible, turn to Romans. We're going to be looking at uh, Romans, where in the world am I? Yeah, Romans 12, sorry. So Romans 12, 14 through 21. Okay, so Romans 12, 14 through 21. So let's talk a little bit about what Paul was trying to do. So remember who he's speaking to, the Romans, obviously, so people in Rome. Remember who the Romans were. The Romans were the people that ended up crucifying, beating beyond recognition, Jesus, right? That's the Roman people. The Romans were the ones who continually persecuted Christians, right? It wasn't Jewish people persecuting Christians all of the time. It was Roman people persecuting Christian people. Now, Paul goes to them and says, now, here's what I want you to think about. I want you guys to be in relationship with them, love them, and share the gospel with them. Now, for us, we're like, yeah, they should do it. Now, think about what happened to the Roman people. Think about this happened to you. What if the Roman government showed up in your house and took your kids and put them on a stake and burned them? Would you be like, man, I just love them. I want to see those guys come to Jesus. Somebody hurt your children? Come on. (laughs) I know what I'd be thinking. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I want revenge for all this. but, But, or... You were somebody in a home that had already had this happen. The Roman government came in and they took your father, your mother, your husband, your wife, put them on a stake, burnt them, beat them, imprisoned them, put them away forever. Paul's now saying, 
I already told you this was going to happen. You will be divided and you will be persecuted. Now you just have to figure out. You shouldn't be surprised the Roman government wants to kill your children. You shouldn't be surprised that you're going to get in prison. You shouldn't be surprised that people don't like you. You shouldn't be surprised. But, 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 how are you going to respond? And just so you know, this is really important. If you respond the natural way, you will not be living the way that God has called you to live because the only way you should respond is the supernatural way, which is beyond anybody's human recognition why you would do it. It's just the way it is. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. If we think naturally, we are a justice-minded people. Somebody took my kids, I'm going to take care of business. Somebody hurt my wife, I'm going to take care of business. Somebody hurt my children, I'm going to take care of business. That's natural, right? That's unredeemed. Paul's saying there's a redeemed nature that we all need to follow, and we all need to understand what that is. So, Romans 12, we're going to start in uh, verse 14. So here's what he says, verse 14. Blessed are, bless those who persecute you, and bless and do not curse. So there's an extreme of this, maybe you guys have seen it. Do you remember way back when, when the Coptic Christians were put out on the beach, and the people from the nation of Islam, they're all in orange jumpsuits, and they put them down on their knees. And on TV, on video, they beheaded all of them. Anybody remember when this happened? So this happened, right? Coptic Christians put in orange jumpsuits. To make a point, they went out, made them kneel down, chopped off their heads. Well, in a neighboring village was the mother of two sons that had their heads chopped off on the beach. Okay. They went in to interview this mother, to talk to this mother because of the great tragedy that happened. So they went to the mother and they said, what do you think about your two sons and how are you going to respond to your two sons who just had their heads chopped off? Now think about, put yourself in this position. Your two sons died. How would you respond? Redeemed, unredeemed. Here's how she responded. I am going to invite them into my home. I'm going to share a meal with them and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. Now listen, and this is, the guy was like, you're going to do what? These people killed your kids. She says, I know. But my two sons are in glory, and they're not. I'm going to invite them into my home, I'm going to share a meal with them, and I'm going to share Jesus. That's the extreme, right? Like, I hope that I never have to come to that place. I hope that I never have to make a decision to forgive somebody who killed my children. Because that level of faith, bless those who persecute you from a redeemed nature, is where God wants us to be, but that's a tough place to get to. But I want you to think about it this way. There have been people, and, and, and again, all of you might have experienced this at some time, there have been people who have hurt you, right? Said something, done something, something happened inside of your life. They've hurt you, like things have happened in you and you've been hurt deeply by somebody else. We should know that's always going to happen. That's what Paul's telling us. Know that somebody's going to hurt you. Know that relationships from unredeemed people and even sometimes redeemed people hurt you deeply. How are we going to respond? He would say, bless those who persecute us. For those people who have hurt us, 
Make sure that we bless them, meaning that we have to give them over through a forgiving spirit to the only one who can fix them, because this is what Paul's trying to say. And if you've ever lived this way, you know, I'm going to just give you a picture into this. If you are living with an unforgiving spirit right now, here's the thing that you need to recognize. It is not destroying them, it's destroying you, period. Forgiving somebody else isn't to let them off the hook. It's to allow God to do what he needs to do in your life, period. And he can't do it until you give them over to them. If you keep it, that bitter root, that bitterness that's inside of you will keep you because it does this. Remember when scripture says this? It gives a foothold to the enemy. An unforgiving, bitter spirit allows Satan to do what only he can do when you give him a foothold, and that's destroy you through an unforgiving spirit. A redeemed spirit would say, listen, God, I'm giving you him, them, those people over to you. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm going to live in such a way that now you can use me because I'm now not living with that bitterness. That's what he's saying. Bless and, and those people that are, have persecuted you. Then he says this, rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, this seems like an easy one, doesn't it? Hey, be happy with people who are happy. You know, the other one's kind of hard. Like, bless those people who are mean to you, you know, and forgive those people who have treated you bad. But to rejoice with those who are happy, I can do that until, okay, let me put you in this situation. Until that person that you're working with got the pay raise that you deserved. Until that person that's around you is more successful in life when you're the one who deserves to be more successful in life. Have you ever been around that one? Like, you know, they're there only because their family gave them what they're doing. They're only there because they only got a job because their family gave them a job. They're only there. They only got the promotion because they're brown-nosing the boss. You know what I mean? Like, they're only at those places. Come on, have you, right? Like, you're, you're not rejoicing. You're like, they don't deserve it, and I hope they're found out, and I hope somebody knows, and they shouldn't make more money than me, you know, or maybe make it, maybe this would be more personal. Your kids are in a sport, and you're like, that kid that's playing over my kid, he's terrible. Terrible. I'm going to call the coach. The coach has got to know. I see it. I mean, I'm watching it. That kid's awful. In fact, I hope he twists his ankle. My kid gets a chance. I know none of you are thinking, I would never think that. Yes, you have. You for sure have been. I hope that kid gets hurt so my kid gets a chance. Because once my kid gets a chance, they're going to show who they are. And then the coach can't not play him. And if he doesn't play him, then the whole community is going to be in an outrage because they saw my kid was the best. You for sure aren't rejoicing with that kid that's starting over your kid. Right? Like, that's the personal thing. This is what happens, right? He's saying a redeemed spirit would rejoice with those, even though in our mind they don't deserve it. We rejoice with those people who got raises that we didn't think that they should get. We rejoice with those people. Like, I said, one of the worst things I've ever seen in life with people is when they're mad at people just for being successful. You ever been around people like that? Like, I can't stand them because, you know, I'm like, you can't stand them, why? Because they're good? Because they made things work? Because they made a little bit of money that you didn't? Like, why would you be mad at them? Why would you be mad at that they have success? Right? Like, that's, 
that's an unredeemed spirit is to look at it and be like, well, they didn't deserve it, I deserve it type of thing. Or even if you don't deserve it, you're saying, I'm not going to rejoice with them because I think he got there in the wrong way or is doing it the wrong way, whatever those things are. He says a redeemed spirit would say, I'm going to rejoice with those who are rejoicing because when I do, I'm in relationship with them. I build a bridge. Because remember, when you're sitting back there, and I've been there. I've been like, that coach, that idiot, that, you know, I've, I've been on the other end where I've been the coach, and they've been like, you idiot, and, you know, you're not doing, you're not starting my kid. Like, I've had all those conversations. Believe me, when you're a coach and somebody comes and tells you you're an idiot, that doesn't help. You know what I mean from a relationship standpoint? Like, that doesn't, like, build the bridge. <laughs> and remember, what are we trying to do as Christian people? Build the bridge, don't burn the bridge, all right? Build the bridge, because at some point, whether they're an idiot or not, they need Jesus, right? And we want to be the one. Like, we want to be at a place. We want to be able to share the gospel with them. So he says, rejoice with those who rejoice. He says, mourn with those who mourn. So, again, compassionate spirit. Like, we as Christian people, even though you look at somebody else and you're like, they shouldn't be sad, we as Christian people should be sad just for this, or mourn with them just because they're experiencing it. Remember Jesus when he uh, cried at the tomb of Lazarus? Why was Jesus crying? Because he knew that Lazarus was going to heaven. Was Jesus sad about Lazarus dying? No. What was he sad about? He was mourning with the people that were sad around him. He was relating with people's sadness. Right? He was relating with where they were at in life. And that's what you know, Paul's trying to say. We should mourn with other people. Just because you don't understand their circumstance doesn't mean that you can't mourn with them. Right? We should have compassion in our life to look at the people around us and just not be like, stop crying, stop crying. We should be like, why are you crying? I might be the only uncompassionate person. Like, There's times right, where you're like, I don't know why they're crying, but... But I should be like, I need to find out why, and I need to be with them in this moment instead of just being like, suck it up, you know, move on, whatever that stuff is. The other thing that he says we should mourn about, and I'll, and I'll say this as bluntly as I can so we can make sure we get this across. If you are a Christian person and you don't grieve over those people who don't know Jesus, I think you should examine your Christianity. If you are a Christian person that sometime in the last two weeks didn't grieve over those who don't know Jesus, I think we should re-examine why we're Christians. Because there aren't days that go by that I don't grieve over those people that I know today died without knowing Jesus and are going to spend a Christless eternity in hell. Because that grief drives me to decisions in my life. And if you're not thinking about it, if you're not processing it, if you're not grieving over it, your decisions will reflect it. We need to grieve and mourn because it's the way Christ does. He grieves and mourns those people who don't know. He also says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. So he's saying, as Christian people, diversity is a good thing. Now, I'm going to just tell you my own experience. So this might not be your experience, but I'm going to tell you my experience. So when people come to a church, this is what's funny about me or funny about these people that would talk to me. They'll come, they'll come for a while, and then they won't come, and then I'll see them somewhere, and they're like, well, we just wanted you to know that we're not, we're not, not coming to life because of you. We're just not coming because these aren't my people. And I'm like, they're not your what? No, they're just not my people. And I said, 
What does that even mean? That you're not my people. Well, you know, Life Church is full of a lot of fill in the blank, however they want. You know how Christian people get sometimes. Like, Life Church is full of a lot of people that aren't quite as mature as I am, don't quite know as much as I am. Like, I'll sit in a small group with these people, and, you know, they'll say things that I just can't relate with, you know, because I'm at this social economic status, and they're at this social economic status. And so I just have left to go make sure I find a church of my people. <laughs> I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I'm honest with people. I'm like, first of all, this whole your people thing blows up the whole idea of spreading the gospel. So if you're just going to hang around with your people, then you've missed the whole point. And I'm questioning whether or not you're even a believer if you're making decisions on where you spend time on whether or not they're your people or whether they fit in with who you are. Like, that's ridiculous. Jesus spent his time with people who needed Jesus, not who wanted to be around him. Not who reciprocated what he wanted. Not talked the way that he wanted them to talk. He was with the people who needed him the most. We as Christian people have to believe that way. An unredeemed spirit would say, it's all about me. Surround myself with people who are like me. A redeemed spirit would say, surround me with people that need Jesus. Surround me with people that need Jesus. Surround me with people that need Jesus. That's a redeemed spirit. That's the way that we live. That's what should drive our life. It's the difference between redeemed and unredeemed when he talks in that way. Then he goes on in verse 17, and he ends it like this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my uh, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap uh, burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So the band's going to come back up. I want to give you a couple things to chew on or some things to think about. And I'm going to share a little bit of my own personal experience with you. So this is going to be like, you need to walk away and you need to think about this and you need to process it in the way that, that God, uh, that you hear it through the Holy Spirit. But I'm just going to tell you how it is with my life and the things that I've had to work through when it comes to this. So he says very specifically in here, that we as Christian, person, Christian people should respond differently to people who don't like us, right? We should respond differently with people who hurt us, right? That's what he's trying to say in all of this. In relationship, we should respond differently than the way the world does. Now, here's my life. So in my life, being a leader of a church and being in business in certain ways, I have relationships with a lot of different people. Right? I mean, people who would say that they know me or have been in relationship with me have been at Life Church. And so I just know a lot of people. And in the midst of that, here's the other part that goes with that I am the type of person who just believes a certain way. And it doesn't, you know, when I believe a certain way and, and I believe what truth is, I'm not going to sacrifice truth to keep people happy. Right? So if scripture says that this is truth, I'm not going to say something different because it might make somebody unhappy, right? Like, that's just the reality of my life. 
Like, if you ever met with me, you know that I'm pretty much a black and white guy, and this is the way that I believe, and these are the things that are. Now, here's the thing about, if you live this type of a life, which is being, like, mine is exponential because I have a lot of people, but it's really the same thing with you. Here's what you'll learn. If you are in relationships with people, and you hold to what Scripture tells us that we should live by, there's going to be people who are going to love you. They're going to be your friend. They're going to pat you on the back. They're going to give you a hug. They're going to tell you how much impact that you've had in your life. They're going to be somebody that's going to be like, thank you for being there for me. You know what else is going to happen? (laughs) There are going to be people who hate you. If you live the way God has called you to live, and you stand for what is right, you will have people who hate you. You know what the greatest struggle for me is? That we'll have people who will come to life who will love you one year and hate you the next. Anybody ever been there? They love you when they agree with you. And, and you were there for them in all those moments because I've experienced this in my life. You were there for the deepest moments of their life. And then all of a sudden, because you stood for something, all of a sudden now they're out telling everybody about how bad you are. Come on, I know you've experienced this just at a different level. People don't have any problem slapping you on the back and giving you a hug one day until they disagree with you the next. And here's the other things. They don't have any problem telling anybody else about you. <laughs> You know what my natural nature is? I'm going to go out there. First of all, I'm going to shake them and slap them, maybe punch them. But that's the first nature, right? Like, I'm going to get a hold of them. I'm going to make sure that they understand what is true because what you're saying is a lie. You ever have somebody lie about you? And then what you want to do is you want to go around to everybody else that they lie to and they say, I want to tell you the truth. Let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the truth. Because what they said is a lie and you want to make it all right. And you want to make sure what they're saying about you is brought to justice and you want to make sure that it's true. Here's what I've had to learn. I've had to learn this the hard way. I'm not enamored by those who love me and I'm not, and I'm not uh, consumed by those who hate me. I have a mission in life and this is what I know. I am called to spread the love of Jesus Christ with those who love me and with those who hate me. And neither one of those things is going to deter me from what God has called me to do. Because if you've been completely checked out, let me bring you back. Okay? So if the whole message didn't make any sense, let me do this. Every person inside of this room has a calling in their life. And if you are going to allow bitterness to be inside of you, you cannot live out your calling. If you are going to live with an unforgiving spirit, God can't use you. You need to release the bitterness and unforgiveness that's keeping you from doing the things that God has called you to do. Don't be enamored by those who love you. Don't be enamored or consumed by those who hate you. Be consumed about the one that matters most. And the only one, like he says, that can fix it all that can repair things that we thought were unrepairable, that can make right things that we thought could never be made right. That is my prayer for each one of us in this room. Have to have relationships with those who need us, not who like us.
not who we're like, but who need us the most. Will you stand so I can pray for you? So, Heavenly Father, we come to you knowing that um, we live inside of a culture that makes this difficult because for all of us, we want to be accepted and we want to be loved. But you've already said if we live by the principles of Scripture, we will be divided and people will hate us. We can't control that. Thank you, Lord, for taking that away today. We can't control those who love us and we can't control those who hate us. But we can control this, our response. Lord, let our response be the one that was your response. We did not deserve your forgiveness, nor do those people who have hurt you. But you forgave us, and so we must forgive them. Let us be a people who doesn't, don't live with a bitter root, an unforgiving spirit, one that has burnt bridges to be right. Lord, let us be people who build bridges not for the sake of being right, but for the sake of sharing the gospel. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
And nothing will ever shake me, overtake me, all my hope. I set my, set my heart on you. You have every part of me. I set my heart on you. I have set my heart, set my, set my heart on you. You have every part of me. I set my heart on you. I think for each one of us, that's something we have to consider. Like naturally walking out of this room, if we don't make a decision to set our heart on him, we're naturally gonna go back to the way the world says to do relationships and the way the world says to handle conflict. And so for all of us, I think the decision that we have to make, I'll set my heart on you and not just part of my heart, but all of me and I will trust that the results of doing that is what God wants in my life. And I'm gonna allow him to work in only the ways that he can. So thanks for being here with us this morning. Thanks for being online. Don't forget on the way out, fill out your connecting cards if you haven't done it already. If you're online, make sure you click on there and fill those out. We look forward to seeing you guys again next week.